Buckle up your seatbelts, hold tight, all the way from the beautiful island of St. Lucia, back on the journey with us is Andre Klein, No Holes Barred. Hello and welcome to The Journey, your radio show, hosted by Neville D'Angelo, author of A Soundbite Life and Flight of the Fused Monkeys, a PRG Emerging Technologies Forum keynote speaker and founder of Rio Sports. I am Joseph Ellison. Enjoy! I am Neville. What are the best strategies? And how do you put together the most viable strategy for dealing with the striking issues you are dealing with today. Whether you believe nothing ever changes or you're convinced things are changing way too fast for your liking, how do you facilitate the person you're guiding or parenting or coaching or counseling the most appropriate set of skills and tools so that each of those persons individually can successfully deal with the issues that person will confront and be able to beat the prevailing odds that person will face and be able to connect the correct dots in the puzzle of that person's journey so that along the way you will be able to stand up and cheer. Many are already doing this, but how do you? This is precisely what my latest quick-read, handy-dandy, fact-based book is dealing with head-on, no holes barred. Just released, it is called Riding Moby Dick. It is subtitled, How They Beat the Odds Every Time. It is available to you in all formats, regular, digital and audio. Riding Moby Dick, How They Beat the Odds Every Time by Neville D'Angelo. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky questions. And we play a few games and track the remarkable characters of three classic books, A Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again, all of which can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. How does your faith impact or influence the most intimate dealings of your life? If you know anything about my friend and brother Andre Klein, he is the kind of person who tells it as he experiences it, genuine and authentic, from his heart to your ear. Well, he is here, and if sex is a topic that makes you uncomfortable when coming from the same soul of faith, well, get ready to be very uncomfortable and happy in the same chair. Andre was just reminding me of a time, back when we were pretty much boys then, I took him to a city far away, a city called Linden. He had just learned a few chords on the guitar, and I was there to address the crowd. I was a youth speaker. He nudged me to give him the mic so he could sing them a song, so I let him do that. Then he wanted to say a few words from his heart, and I let him do that too. Oh, dear God, I knew ever since that first time that if I ever let him in front of a mic again, I'd better get on my knees and pray hard. If I am known to be polite, which many people call me, he is plain. He is as humble as he is honest. And if as a boy he was brave, Life's experience has made him that much bolder. 
So I'll just sit on the edge of my seat as he gets ready to join us. Please welcome my friend and brother, Andre Klein. Andre, how does this faith you have come to embrace impact the everyday dealings of your life ever since way back when? I knew something had happened. I couldn't tell you what had happened. Mm-hmm. Intelligently, I couldn't tell you what happened, but I knew something had happened to me. Um, I had a boldness that was more than just ignorance, bold out of ignorance. There was something that was happening. I had a thirst mm-hmm. to learn and to, to discover and to know what it was it that I had gotten myself into. So over the years, I spent a lot of time reading the Word of God mm-hmm. uh, because this uh, denomination that I had found myself in mm-hmm. um, valued highly the Word of God. And every person that I ever, ever spoke in that little congregation uh, made it very clear to me how important the Word of God was. Mm-hmm. And so I, I figure, oh boy, I, I better get into this thing and figure out what it is that these people are so excited about. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of my years reading and rereading and studying and restudying and reading books on the subject. Anything I can get my hand on, I would read on it. And so that's where my fate began. It began in this little church, Craig Street Brethren Church. A foundation was laid, a foundation that in in essence said that God is real. He's not a figment of our imagination. He's not a pie in the sky when we die. This is a real God who cares about us. And uh, he wants us to know him as much as we need to know him. Mm. And so... For me, that has, was, is where the journey of my fate started. Um, discovering who this God is. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is I only know what I know because God chose to reveal it. I know nothing about God except what he has chosen to reveal about himself. And what he has chosen to reveal about himself is revealed in the, the the scriptures that I read, the Bible. Um, <clears throat> I hear a lot of people, my friends when I was going to school, say a lot of things about the Bible. And I've, uh, every person that have, has criticized the Bible, I've asked them, have you ever really read the Bible? You know, people boast about it. The Bible is this and the Bible is that. And I challenge them, you go read it. Mm. And then tell me, if it really says what you are saying it says. Because the Bible shows a different side of the picture than what you hear the the majority of people are saying the Bible says. And um, so for me, I'm a student of the Bible. Uh, I'm I'm still a student of the Bible. And, And the more I read it is the more I realize how ignorant I am. The more I read it is the more I realize how much I don't know. The more I discover is the more I discover that there is more to be discovered. Mm. You know, and so that's where it has started for me. And if we're going to talk from a religious base about faith, um, the reference that I'm going to use will be a biblical reference. Um, it may be biased, and some people may consider me biased for using the Bible as my reference, but I have no other reference to use. Mm. This is where my faith has been. This is where I got the courage and the energy and the strength to live in spite of all the hardships and the disappointments that life has thrown at me. Um, I will probably tell you a little bit about um, my life as as a child, and then you 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 never will know a little bit about that as well because uh, you you had a big role to play 
in my in my development in my childhood years. We talk about that as well. We'll be right back. A very prominent person said this, and I quote, Before you speak to me about your religion, first show it to me in how you treat other people. Before you tell me how much you love God, show me how you love all his children. Before you preach to me of your passion for your faith, teach me about it through your compassion for your neighbors. In the end, I am not as interested in what you have to tell or sell as in how you choose to live and give. End of quote. So who do you think said that? And what do you think of it? I am back with Andre Klein. So Andre, tell us what faith looks like and feels like in your household well like i said at the beginning um my my journey is almost similar to the journey that abraham and sarah took um and uh that journey for me has been an interesting one with, with me and my wife to start with um, I met my wife um, under some very interesting circumstances. Uh, she was um, going to the um, full gospel church, and I, at that time, I, I was in the Brethren Church. And um, <clears throat> one of my passion is singing. Mm. So I was at a concert, and I was singing, um, and you know, she was sitting in the audience. Now, what was interesting about the concert was everybody had electrical guitars and drums and, you know, lots of noise and so on. Mm -hmm. And then I came in with my little box guitar <laughs> and um, I was singing, I don't know if you remember this song, The Reflection of a Fool. I'm not sure. I saw the reflection of a fool. Uh, so I, I was singing that song, you know, <clears throat> it, was, it was a song that, you know, takes you and, and shows you a man who is dealing with, with life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, so there I was, you know, with this box guitar in my hand and the audience had gotten very, very quiet because there's no, there's no noise now. It's just a guy with a guitar singing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so I'm there. And I sang my song, and then I went backstage. And then someone met me, this young woman met me with her brother. Now her brother apparently was in the concert as well, and he had done some um, poetry or something like that. So he wanted to meet me backstage. So he says, let's go and meet Andre backstage. And so they came and uh, introduced, he introduced himself and he introduced his sister. And that's how we met, and I think that was somewhere around December, because it was around the Christmas time. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, if you remember, Neville, um, when we, I, I was, I think I was leading the, the youth ministry at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so, uh, I learned this from you, you know, you always have people at your home. Mm -hmm. The youths come at, and, and hang out at your house and so on, so but, by that time, I was grown. I have. I'm living um, in Tuckville, and I have a house and so on. So, people would come. Uh, I would invite the young people to come and hang out at my home. Mm -hmm. So I had. I think I had a little um, get together at my home with with the youths, and I was inviting young people to come to my home. And uh, I invited uh, David McCalmont, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I said to him, um, "Bring anybody you want. You know, just bring a friend." So he brought his sister. And um, so I had forgotten that I, I had met her at this, this concert. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm treating her like everybody else. Um, but the more I'm interacting with them, the more my attention is drawn towards her. Um, and I'm finding myself looking at her. 
and then I find myself staring at her. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't get my eyes off of her. And I'm trying very hard to be a nice Christian brother. <laughs> but my, my brain is not functioning. I'm, I'm now staring at this girl. Oh, and um, <laughs> the, the get-together was ended and so on, and they left. And um, <clears throat> this is now, we had our All Year's Night service. And, um, and so I'm at home, and um, this is about somewhere around 2 o'clock in the morning on Jan 1st of January. And um, I'm, I normally carry these little um, cards, you know, these greeting cards. So I picked up one of these greeting cards, and it has a little, it has a little um, picture on it. So I'm, I have this little card, and I'm. Just, just, just thinking. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just thinking, and then she pops into my head. I don't know her name. I don't remember her name. I'm lousy with names. But her face is etched into my brain. And so I pick up this card and I started to write in the card. And in essence, I'm writing to her, and I'm saying to her. I, I like your unique personality. Of course, you know I'm lying because I don't really know her personality. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and I'm writing and writing this card to her, and I'd like to get to know you better um, for as long as is humanly possible. Words to that effect. Mm. While I am writing this note to this girl, apparently she was at all year's night service at um, with her brother. And uh, you, you know, never normally after all year's night service, we hang out with some a group of people and we go till the sun comes up in the morning. Mm -hmm. But on this particular occasion, nobody wanted to hang out. So I went home by myself, and apparently the same thing was happening with their group. They apparently didn't want to hang out with the people um, at the church. So he said to her, where will we go? Where can we go and hang out? And um, either he or she said, let's go and check out Andre. So they came to my home. So while I'm writing this note to her, I'm hearing a knock on my door. So I get up. By then I'd finished writing the, the note. And I go and open the door. And guess who's standing at the door? <laughs> my wife-to-be and her brother. Mm. Now, if that's not a holy coincidence, I don't know what is a holy coincidence. <laughs> you know, so uh, they came and I, I paid, played the, the host. I offered them cake and black cake and tea and so on. And we talked until probably around four o'clock in the morning. And then I said, OK, well, you guys need to go home now. So. I'm going to follow you guys home. They live in Lodge. And so I pick up my bike and I'm riding, I'm pushing my bike along and we're walking. When, we, when I got to their home, I handed her the, the card. I didn't say anything to her, I just handed her the card. And I left and I went home. Uh, that morning, um, I don't know why, but I went and I visited her. And she said she liked what I said in the card. And um, she would like to 
see where this will lead. And that's how the relationship started. Mm. Mm. And um, but 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 by this time, Neville, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I am what I think I was twenty. 24, I was just about to turn 25. And every hormone in my being is jumping, and it's been jumping for years because I've been keeping myself mm. for the wife that will come. Because mm. that's what I've been taught. Mm. I've been taught to keep yourself. Mm. You know, live a pure life. This is part of your faith. This is part of your discipline. This is part of what makes you... Um, unique and a man of God. So I've been struggling very hard trying to keep myself and all these thoughts are going around in my head and I'm having all these dreams, <laughs> wet wet and dry ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And um, I had a few relationships before that that really went south. I had one for seven years and I... I almost killed myself after that one ended. Mm. Um, you probably know the young lady as well. I do. Yes. Uh, and, and that really broke me. That relationship broke me. And um, so by that time, I was cautious about getting into relationships. And um, I did not want to harm her or hurt myself so but we were beginning to get very very close and I said to myself Andre you cannot do this for very long and last you're not going to last a year doing this Hmm. because as I said everything in me is at attention (laughs) you know so so And the fear of God. (laughs) You know, I actually had visions of God killing me because of the thoughts I was having. And so I'm saying, God, I can't do this. So, six months into the relationship, on her birthday, which is the 15th of June, Mm. I said to her, I need we need to be I need to be engaged with you because I'm going around the place with you and I need I need everyone to know my intentions. I need the devil to know, I need God to know, I need the ants everything must know what my intentions are with you. So on the on the fifteenth of this um June, I engaged her. I engaged her in Sister Cunha's house. Mm. Remember Sister Cunha? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so all, all the young people were there, and, and um, it was a great moment. And after engaging her, you, have a, you, you suddenly believe that there's a sense of liberty that you now can take. Mm. And I began to realize, Andre, if you take these liberties, I'll fall down. <laughs> so, so there again, my faith is kicking in. My, my belief is kicking in. What I've been taught is kicking in. And so I said to her somewhere in October, what do you think about marriage? And she says, I have no problems with that. And says, okay, let's get married. She says to me, when? I says, the 1st of November seemed like a good day. It's a holiday. <laughs> it was Diwali. <laughs> festival of Lights. Mm-hmm. A, Hindu, a Hindu festival. Mm-hmm. So, I said, good. Now, I don't know where I'm going to put this girl because <laughs> I'm living with my grandmother. Um... I have a very tiny bedroom, and I know if I were to do anything in that bedroom, the whole house is going to break down. <laughs> so, but I, I'm, not, I'm not thinking long term. I, I have no plans. All I know, I can't keep going on like this. I need this woman in my life. 
I am absolutely sure, based upon all the circumstances, <laughs> that this is the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with. And I don't want to lose her. <laughs> I have lost too many of them already. You know, and I want to make sure this bird stays in the cage. <laughs> so, mm. I proposed to her. She said, yes. And then the machinery kicks in. Okay, who is going to marry us? Where are we going to get married? What, what is marriage all about? <laughs> Do I even have enough money to buy a ring? Because she, 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 she didn't have any money. She was a, a, an art student. She had just um, completed her diploma in art at Borough's um, School of Art. Um, I was working at, um, at the airport by then, Timiri International Airport. And um, so I, I was pretty set financially, which is strange. Um, it's amazing how God had already put me in a, in a, in a, in a job that was stable. Mm -hmm. That, you know, I, I, had, I had enough confidence to say, yes, I can take care of myself and another human being. And so I baked my own cake because I couldn't afford to, 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 to buy one, to have somebody bake it for me. And then her friend iced it. And, and Sister Webster had a big bottom house. So she agreed to have my guests stay under her bottom house. And um, we were going to stick the cake in her living room and toast in her living room. She gave me that permission. Mm -hmm. God blessed her soul. And Mother Grooms, you remember Mother Grooms? Oh, yes. She sewed the dress mm -hmm. for my wife. And so we had it all set up. And her, her pastor, uh, Pastor Bruning, Lucius Bruning from the Pentecost, um, um, Full Gospel Fellowship, he was going to do the wedding, and I had gotten in contact with an, um, another pastor from the Baptist, and he was going to be the preacher. So the thing was all set up, man, and it was going to be at Craig Street um, Brethren Church, where I was from. Mm -hmm. And so on the 1st of November, I got married to this beautiful English woman. She was born in Croydon, Surrey. Uh, her mother's Guyanese and her father was Nigerian. And I got married to my beautiful bride. And Neville, I thought, well, I got it made. So the wedding was over. Everybody had cake and ice cream and swank and finger food because that's all I could afford <laughs> and if they didn't like it that was their problem I didn't care <laughs> I couldn't care I got my girl just around that time um, Rima you remember Rima mm -hmm. Rima Spencer mm -hmm. he was he, he had gotten married and um, his wife's parents lived in Melanie and he was living in their house and then apparently he was going up to the United States with his his wife and the house was going to stay empty and he came to me and says Andre look I have a house that I'm moving out of and uh, you just got you just about to get married and so on um, you can you can stay in the house so I had a place to stay mm -hmm. all by myself I didn't have to worry about neighbors <laughs> or my grandmother overhearing what I was doing so on that first night, I took my wife home, and I exploded. <laughs> <laughs> and I was all apologizing and so on, because <laughs> this brother had been waiting for a long time. <laughs> I literally exploded. 
And then I discovered, Andre, you know nothing <laughs> about what you just got yourself into. Oh boy! The, fo- the following morning, when we got up mm-hmm. out of the, uh, this is um, honeymoon, first honeymoon morning. I'm looking at this beautiful woman, and I'm saying, "Okay, our first morning together. What do we do now?" <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> and I, she says to me, well, I feel a little hungry. I said, I'm feeling hungry too. Let's go eat something. <laughs> so she, I think we made breakfast, bread and eggs and something. And after breakfast, we went by right back to bed mm. and I exploded again. <laughs> and I'm saying, <laughs> This is good, but something is wrong here. I don't think this is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> because she's like, okay, are you quite done? <laughs> there is supposed to be more. Supposed to be more to this, you know. Well, she she she's such a beautiful English woman. She's she's just she's the gentlest creature you could think about, and and so. I, I'm learning what it is to be a husband. And I suddenly realize I don't know anything about being a husband. Mm-hmm. And I have to now go back to my father. And so after exploding a few times and getting the, the, the definite sense that this is not all there is, <laughs> I started praying and I said, God, you got to help me here because I, I, I think I'm doing something wrong and I'm not getting it right. And I don't think my wife is totally enjoying this experience, <laughs> you know. So I prayed about it and then I talked to her about it and, you know, she gently is guiding me and helping me. And uh, I started, I began to think, I think I need to read some books about this because this is not all there is to this. And so we are growing in the relationship and so on. And a lot of praying is going on because I am discovering how ignorant I am, how little I know. My wife is a little more intelligent than I am. She has a little more expectations than I do in terms of um, what it is to be in a relationship, what it is to be married and so on. I thought I knew, but really and truly I knew nothing. And uh, so she is guiding me and helping me and and I'm reading and discovering, oh, so that's not exactly how it's done. You need to be a little more patient. You need to be a little more controlled. And I'm learning how to control myself and so on. And so I'm shooting off and shooting off and shooting off. And then the honeymoon period is over and I'm back to work. So I'm back to work and my first day back to work, um, I'm leaving my home because I have to travel to Georgetown and then travel from Georgetown to Tamari Airport. And my wife is saying, so I, I'm, I'm rushing out the door. She says, hey, hey, where are you going? I said, I'm going to work. She says, you can't leave without kissing me goodbye. I says, what? <laughs> Education again. I'm learning that these are certain graces that you need to exercise when you are in a relationship. Mm. I didn't know. So I learned to kiss my wife goodbye and kiss her hello when I get home. And so we are learning and we are growing. And then my wife is saying to me, but Andre, we've been married now for one year and I'm not getting pregnant. What's going on? And I said, I don't know. I'm doing everything that I think I know I'm supposed to do. (laughs) Well, we we need to pray about this. I said, I think we need to pray about it because I don't know what else to do. I'm doing everything else I'm doing. So we now have to call on God because God is in our equation. That's where our faith is. 
So we in prayer call upon God and ask God, look, God, we are doing everything that we think we're supposed to doing, and by now we should have had a child. We don't have any children. And, um, well, I'll keep waiting. My wife says, uh-uh, you're not going to keep waiting. We're going to check a doctor. And I'm saying, why do we need to check a doctor? She says, well, we need to know what if something is wrong with you. <laughs> I says, nothing is wrong with me. I think everything is fine. But anyway, if you say check a doctor, we go check a doctor. So we went and we checked the doctor, and he had me do a sperm count. And the doctor says, everything is fine, Mr. Klein. Your wife is fine, and you are fine. Just keep on doing what you're doing. <laughs> Around the same time, uh, there was a training program in um, Antigua. So I went to Antigua on this training program, left my one-year-old wife, back in Guyana. And while I'm in Antigua and trying to study, I, I can't function because my wife is not there. So close to the end of the, 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 the training, I, I sent for her and um, she came over to Antigua. So we're now having a, a honeymoon, a real honeymoon, because I'm in a hotel now mm -hmm. and I'm in a different country. So we did all the wonderful things that honeymoon couples did. But still nothing was happening. So my wife, well, we were attending a church in, while I was in Antigua. So my wife called one of the, the elders of the church and she says, Look, the Bible says if, you're, if there's any sick among you, you must call for the elders and they must pray for you. And I want you to pray for my husband because something is wrong with him. <laughs> So my wife had an elder lay his hands on me and prayed. I submitted myself to the prayer because, I mean, that's what the scripture says. When you have a problem, call for the elders and let them pray for you. So the elders prayed. And I said, thank you very much. Hopefully something good will happen now. <laughs> and um, so we, I, I'm a, we are about to leave. We left. No, we hadn't left. Um, yes, we left and we went back to Guyana. Um, about a year later, I went back to Antigua on another training uh, program. And I took my wife with me this time uh, because it was a shorter um, program. Yeah. And while, I, while I'm there, I was staying at one of the elders' house, and um, she said to the elder, says, look, nothing is happening, you need to pray for him again. <laughs> and so they laid hands on me and prayed for me again, and I'm in the elders' house, and um, we had to think about another week or so to stay there, then we were going to be going back to, to Guyana. So while we're in, in this elders' house, he had a special room that he had prepared for us and so on. We were getting it on in the elder's house. Mm. And um, so I went to the people that had trained me and jokingly I said to them, you guys have any jobs? And they said, yeah, we have a job in St. Vincent uh, installing some new equipment. Would you like to go? So I'm playing the game. I'm not serious. I'm just joking with them. I said, sure, why not? How much are you paying? And they gave me a figure. I did a mental calculation in my head and realized that what they were going to pay me in a month is what I worked for in Guyana for a year. Mm -hmm. And you know what happened. <laughs> I said, sold. <laughs> I called my boss in, a, in Guyana. I says, can I have an extension of a month's leave. He says, no, if you don't come back, you're fired. I said, it looks like I'm fired. Then. <laughs> Sorry. So I, 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 I took the job and I went to St. Vincent. While I'm in St. Vincent, my wife is getting sick. And I'm saying, why are you sick? What's wrong with you? So I said, let's take her to a doctor. Um, take, took her to a doctor. The doctor says, Mr. Klein, your wife is pregnant. I says, ah, 
It worked. <laughs> Prayers are answered in the elder's house. So my wife is pregnant, and um, I'm in St. Vincent working. I stayed in St. Vincent for almost seven months. So my, my first child is being developed, Adrian is being developed in St. Vincent. Mm. And then my job in St. Vincent is completed. And uh, the company that I work, I'm working for says, we have another job in Anguilla. Would you like to go to Anguilla? I says, I have nothing else to do. Let's go to Anguilla. <laughs> so I jump in a plane, go to Anguilla and set things in motion, got a house for my for my, my wife. And I says, okay, now you need to come to Anguilla because I'm not letting you stay away from me. And so I should tell you before that, while we had gone on this trip to Antigua, my, my wife had prepared some art because she's a, a, a portrait painter mm -hmm. by profession. Mm -hmm. And part of this trip to Antigua was as a result of her doing a painting of the Prime Minister of Guyana. There was this big thing and they, the people came to her and asked her to do this painting. And she did the painting and so we used that money to, to travel to Antigua. And she says, you know, while I'm in Antigua, I'll do some paintings and then we probably can take a trip to England, where she's from. And all that sounds fine to me. So while we're there, uh, she had this art exhibition and not one painting sold. Mm. So we are stuck now. I'm stuck at this guy's house and the only, I have a return ticket again. And um, the prayer, as I said, she prayed for, for me, my wife to have this child and so on. And then I get this job and I go to St. Vincent. But before we had gone to St. Vincent, I had gone to this friend of mine who had stayed by and I said to him, look, our original intention was to go to England. Can you lend us some money? When we get to England, we will pay you back. He looked, he sat me and my wife down and he says, Andre, I have the money. You know I have the money because he was a contractor. And um, he says, giving you the money is not a problem. But I don't believe that you and your wife should separate. And I don't think I should let your wife go and you return. Because what I said to him, we will buy one ticket, she will go to England, and then she will send for me from Guyana. And he says, I don't think that's a good idea. You either go together or you go back home together. So that, that was where we were while we were still in Antigua. And then this job came up, so I took her to, to, to St. Vincent with me. So while we were in St. Vincent, we discovered that she's pregnant. Had she gone to England, Hmm. we would have been separated hmm. and she would have been there by herself so there again the providence and the wisdom of God um, stepping in on our behalf and guiding us away from a stupid plan that I had made so I'm there in St. Vincent we did our work in St. Vincent then we moved to Anguilla she's, she's seven months almost eight months pregnant and she's waddling around on this plane and I, I'm all blurry-eyed and happy that she is now with me in Anguilla. And um, our first child is about to be born in Anguilla. Neville, I don't know nothing about having a child. Mm. Neither does my wife. Mm. So the first sign of pain that she gets, oh God, we cry out to God <laughs> and ask God, uh, what do we do now? Well, the logical thing to do is go to the hospital. So we went to the hospital. This is the first... Uh, I, I don't know if you know much about women uh, and, and child labor. This is the first set of pangs you get. And the, these pains can go on for hours. Of course, I knew nothing about that. I just decided to rush her to the hospital. So the nurse says, well, this is just the first stage. You... You can stay or you can go back. I says, go back. I'm not going back anyway. She's staying right Because <laughs> if this happens again, I don't know what I'm going to do. So she stays there and I'm staying there with her. And 
17 hours will pass, Neville. Hmm. Uh, we will be there in this hospital. And then things began to get really, really hot. No, I, wa I want to be the brave soul to be there for the whole show. Mm. So I says, yes, I will come into the room and be a part of the delivery and so on. And they suited me up and says, okay, please don't faint now. <laughs> <laughs> we can't deal with you and your wife fainting. He says, no, I won't faint. I will be strong. And I'm there. And my wife is holding on to my little finger <laughs> and squeezing it. And I'm looking at the finger turn blue. <laughs> And uh, my wife is in pain, and I can do nothing to help her. Neville, tears began to run down my eye. And for the first time, I felt helpless. I couldn't do anything to help my, my wife in, in her situation. The only thing I could do was call and pray. My faith kicked in again. I called upon a God that I don't see. And uh, in a few Minutes after that, I had my first boy. The nurse handed me him to me, and I says, "Hello, Adrian. Your name is Adrian, and I'm your daddy. Welcome to the world." And that's where me, my wife, my first child started. And I can go on and I can tell you the stories of all their births. But one of the things that I've learned through the years of being a father. And being a husband is how little I know, how vulnerable I am, and how much I need God. Alright, okay, South Dean building, I wouldn't be here without Jesus' grace. Without His grace carrying me, I won't be nowhere, you know, I'd be lost. <laughs> Where would I be? Where would I be? If not for the grace of God carrying me You look at me, I know you think that I'm the real G But I'm really nothing less just so the key Where would I be? Where would I be? If not for the grace of God carrying me You look at me, I know you think that I'm the real G But I'm really nothing less just so the key Unmerited favor, you deserve a punch, but you receive a savior. You was being a hater, but you being given up, so you be smiling like a gator. Uh, and you be getting paper and food to keep you alive, but your life is just a vapor. Cause you was praying for your sister, cause she had a fever and you felt you wanna keep her. Cause it's just not time to go. You call up to heaven and God heard your prayer. And God cooled her down so the fever didn't overheat her. And his grace is given all attention to escape the heater. All I'm trying to say, we all experience the grace of God. Most ain't seeing it. I deserve this and never God is merciful to give me so much good when I wasn't even worshipful. Where would I be? Where would I be? If not for the grace of God carrying me. You look at me, I know you think that I'm the real G, but I'm really not. And that's Jesus so the key Where would I be? Where would I be? If not for the grace of God carrying me You look at me, I know you think that I'm the real G But I'm really nothing less Jesus so the key 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 Cause I know that the grace of God carrying me I'm really nothing less Jesus so the key I'm really nothing less Jesus so the key I'm really nothing less I was really chilling when I first heard the message Seven years old, fresh like a beverage Jesus died for me, and I never even met him Paid for my sins so I could go to heaven So I could live abundantly, so I could see my purpose So my spirit comes alive, no hocus pocus I ain't trying to be spooky, I'm talking about the new me Fellowship with God before I knew myself, he knew me From the relationship of God, unless I was a Jew Going to God as Father, for Jesus
Jesus Christ directly. In him I am holy, seen as innocent, not guilty. Clean slate, white as snow, be no longer filthy. Free for all and by his grace, the church has got unity. Unless we down with Christ, bro, the devil got unity. Recognizing grace keeps Jesus at the center. Holding on to grace gives me boldness, not the fear. God's grace upon my life, people see it clear. And it's by grace alone that I'm a safe sinner. Without his grace, I know that I would be a failure. But with Christ, man, I know that I'm a winner. Goes before my dinner, cause I know I need that grace. For every aspect of this life, look me in my face. I ain't got no worries. People see that easy. Evidence are beautiful, just from chilling with me. Where would I be? Where, where would I be? If not for the grace of God carrying me. You look at me and you know you think that I'm the real G. But I'm really nothing less. Jesus so the kid. Where, where would I be? Where, where would I be? If not for the grace of God carrying me. You look at me and know you think that I'm the real G. I, I'm really nothing less. Jesus so the kid. 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 Cause I know that the grace of God carrying me. I'm really nothing less. Jesus so the kid. I'm really nothing less. Jesus so the kid. I'm really nothing less. Jesus so the kid. Cause I know that the grace of God carrying me. The Journey is available free on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Rio Sports Radio, and several of your favorite internet platforms. Download, embed, and share via any of the social media you love. Once again, I want to thank my friend, my brother, Andre Klein, for sharing how his faith influences the nitty-gritty of his journey. Thank you, Andre. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you all for being with us in The Journey. Let me take a moment to remind you to get a copy of Riding Moby Dick, How They Beat the Odds Every Time by Neville D'Angelo, prepared especially for you in these times and available on Amazon.com, Audible.com and iTunes. Riding Moby Dick, How They Beat the Odds Every Time by Neville D'Angelo. See you next week. I am really nothing less Jesus for the key. I am really nothing less Jesus for the key. I am really nothing less Jesus for the key. Cause I know that the grace of God carrying me. I am really nothing less Jesus for the key. Yeah, I am really nothing less Jesus for the key. I am really nothing less Jesus for the key. Cause I know that the grace of God carrying me. Grace.